You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today we get to chat about how to mindfully raise kind, confident kids. Oh, I got to hang out with someone I adore so much, my friend Hunter Clark Fields. She is the author of Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. And out now is her book, Raising Good Humans Every Day. I am so obsessed with this book because it's super, super practical and you don't have to read the whole book in one. You can like open it up and you're like, all right, I can take this one today. I can take this one today, you know, just like bit by bit. And I love that so much. Here's the thing. Like (laughs) I talked about this in this episode that the word mindfulness for me sometimes is triggering. It used to be way more triggering than it is today, but a lot comes up for me there. And I I don't always feel mindful and I'm not always intentional and I can feel like I'm failing at this work, you know, of like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to just like be here and enjoy the moment. And I had this idea of what mindful parenting was and is and really had to do work around that word. And Hunter and I got to chat about it and break it down. And it was such a fun episode to get to hang out with her and talk about what is this really? And y'all, it's not perfection. It's not enjoying every moment. It's not even being present to every moment. And thank goodness, right? Like, thank goodness, because if that's what it was, I'm failing every day. I'm so jazzed to get to share this interview with you. It really was fun to do. And go snag Hunter's newest book, Raising Good Humans Every Day. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with a pal of mine. I get to hang out with Hunter Clark Fields. You likely know her as the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. And I'm super jazzed to have her on today to chat about her next book out now, Raising Good Humans Every Day. Hello, Hunter. Hello, Alyssa. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so jazzed to get to hang out with you. We've had some good run-ins over this last year, and I'm here for it. I want more of them. (laughs) Yes, I have enjoyed these (laughs) run-ins. I'm curious, just personally, what kind of the breakdown is between your first book and your second book? Like, what is that evolution? What's different between them? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> obviously there they, there's a significant overlap, right? There's like raising good humans and raising good humans every day. But basically with raising good humans, I really want to focus on like the most essential tools that made, that helped me as a like completely struggling, like person with a bad temper and frustrated and, and feeling like I was failing as a parent. Um, I really wanted to fit, focus on the tools that you know, the most essential things that we needed, right? Which is like, for me, 
I see them as like mindfulness, self-compassion and skillful communication. These are just so, so foundational and so essential. And with Raising Good Humans Every Day, it's um, it's like physically smaller. It's 50 short chapters. And I get to expand on, I, I get to expand on the ideas in Raising Good Humans sort of like into like our household, into more communication stuff, into like a lot of different things having to do with kids and families that I didn't have the chance to touch on at all in Raising Good Humans because it was so like kind of tightly focused. And so this is like more of like a book that um, you can put in your purse, you can keep by your bedside, you can just like open it up anywhere. And find something that's going to give you something to gnaw on for a week. And then you can go to like another chapter. And that's kind of the way I envision people using it. Very cool. So kind of like asynchronous. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool. there. Yeah. 50 short chapters. You can just dive into whichever one you need most at the time. I dig that. I dig that so much. I, you know, I want to chat about the word mindfulness for a hot minute because I, Feel, so we, in developing the SEP method, I co-created it with my colleague, Lauren, and her um, like history. She's a yoga teacher. She's done a lot of work in the mindfulness space, and um, her practice is so rooted in this. And I found for myself, when we were starting to develop the method, the word mindfulness was triggering for me. And yeah, right. Tell, tell me about it. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I had I had to switch it to awareness mm. because despite living in Vermont and being a home birther, I'm like not a super <laughs> crunchy human. <laughs> and uh on the scale of crunchiness. And I felt like mindfulness had this uh, kind of identity around it that I didn't connect with. Um mm. and I now it's I mean it's it's so deeply <laughs> rooted in my life practice and in the SEP method and it's buzzwordy I think in a really great way and I want to just chat about like what it even means first mm. before we dive into this because I think that helped me have a different relationship with it yeah 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 no I know what you mean I mean it's gotten to be such a big word and actually like my someone who is like my foundational teacher, which was the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, was one of the people who popularized the word mindfulness itself in, in the West. So he, he wrote about it enormously and it became a word in part due to his efforts. But yeah, it, it basically means like, you know, awareness, you're right. Like awareness is a great substitute for it in a way, you know, it's like, you know, at your attention to the present moment, you know, you're intentionally putting your attention on the present moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And the attitude of kindness and curiosity is just as important as the awareness part of mindfulness, because it really is this idea that we're intentionally kind of pulling our, pulling our naturally kind of you know, judgmental, judgy, mm -hmm. judgy minds, like critical minds and practicing to be a little more being curious, right? Which is the opposite on the spectrum of judgment and a little more open-minded. So that means like if we're practicing mindfulness in a moment with our kids, instead of our minds being a million miles away, which they are, nor you know, that's, that's normal. It's and, and that's happens for me plenty of times, right? Like it's, it's normal for human brains to, you know, that are primed for sur your survival to be planning ahead 
a lot of the time and also thinking in the past and things, but a lot of planning and a lot of like autopilot going and doing the next thing. But when we're, when we're practicing a, a mind, mindfulness, if we're practicing it, say with our kids, we're practicing to notice like, oh, I'm a million miles away. Let me pay attention to the visuals that are here, the smells that are here, the, oh, this is the thought that's pulling me away. I'm coming back. And, and then with this attitude of kindness and curiosity. So you may be aware of some behavior that your kid is doing that's super annoying and frustrating <laughs> and irritating. And you're like, okay, my, in my instant thought is like, I gotta like, oh, this child is doing this incredible annoying thing to drive me bananas like they are a, a, the devil incarnate right but like we can then if we start to get if we engage our mind to get curious and to release that that in you know kind of instinctual instant judgment then we can say okay well then we can ask those essential questions of why is my child acting this way what needs are they you know what's going on with them are they hungry are they tired are they blah 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 blah, blah. but you know it's i because why this it became so important to me because there would be all this advice on what to do with your kids when my kids were little and and it was always had you know it was always like step one pause or just think about what does your child need and i'd be like but i can't think in these moments yeah. And when we practice a mindfulness practice, when we practice bringing our attention back to the present moment with kindness and curiosity, then we have that space to be able to do it in the moments when all the great experts are telling you to do it, right? Like, but if we don't practice, at least for me, I I had yeah. no ability to do it in those tough moments, you know. So it, it was kind of it's kind of this like foundational thing that helps us show up for our kids. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like you can't regulate what you're not aware of is yeah. like a huge part of our work. And we are often like encouraging parents, I feel like in in the space to to regulate, to like just mm -hmm. get calm, be calm. <laughs> it's like, first, I'm flying off the handle inside, right? And like that does come first and being able to notice that. I found for myself, the more I practiced this, the less judgment I had for myself and mm -hmm. the more like grace and forgiveness I have mm -hmm. for myself. And then that extends outward. Like then that transfers to my tiny human. And then it transfers even to like other parents around me. Um, in fact, just the other day I had a therapy session about this. I noticed something I was feeling judgmental about another parent. And it's not a very common thing for me at this point. Like I truly don't feel a lot of judgment towards other parents because I think it's really freaking hard to raise kids and uh, to do it, especially if we're trying to break any cycles and do something we've never seen modeled for us and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. And I was noticing this judgment. I'm like, oh, I'm bring this one to therapy. <laughs> but I <laughs> don't, I genuinely like, because I don't have a lot of, I don't experience a lot of judgment at this point. And I think it's really come back to this exact thing of like practicing mindfulness, building awareness and bringing in that curiosity from like, mm -hmm. yeah, what, what is going on for you right now, Alyssa? Like what's coming up here? Uh, and as I do that with myself, then yeah, it's easier for me to say like, what's coming up with Sage? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of transfer that. Yeah. And like with other people too, like with probably your parents and yeah. other generations and things like that, like as we start to have some compassion 
for ourselves because it's so hard, right? And we and we then we can have compassion for others. And especially it's like, I think it's really especially good for us to like make all our mistakes, right? And totally. to like mess up and have all those things because we can't be on some pedestal like being like what's wrong with you why are you right. like because we can be like oh it's so hard we're human yeah. it's really hard to do this thing and so yeah why understanding like why this thing is arising is so helpful like I, as I started to understand for me like why I was yelling with, at my kid when she was little and I was like Oh, this is why it's not realizing that I ultimately was realized that it's not something I was choosing. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like, please sign me up to <laughs> scream at my child. Like, I can't wait like, to lose no. my shit at my kid. <laughs> I wasn't consciously choosing it at all. Yeah. And when I realized it was, there was no conscious choice. Like I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm really actually consciously choosing the opposite of that, but it's really hard to get there. So that opened up a lot of compassion for myself. And I, and just really, for me, opens up a lot of compassion for everybody who struggles with that, because it's like, oh, I, I know, like, you, you don't want it. Like, you don't want to be that mean person. Like it's so it's, you know, we, you know, we all struggle and it's really important for us to say that again and again and again. Yeah. And I think to acknowledge that like, there is no perfection in any of this. And yeah we just had folks over a few weekends ago and this dad was chatting with me. He was like, all right, Alyssa. So like <laughs> in practice for you, like of all the things you teach, you talk about, like, is there anything that you're like, yeah, I talk about it, but I don't do it. And I was like, oh, and I had to sit with it. And I was like, honestly, no, but that's only because what we talk about all the time is that like, there is no perfection. And so yeah. Yeah, I make mistakes all the time. Just this morning, I yelled at Sage and pulled his body over to put the, his clothes on him because I hit a breaking point solo parenting with no sleep last night. And like that, mm -hmm. and, and it's it's okay. We moved through it. We moved on from it. He's good. I'm good. We're moving forward. And it doesn't mean that like those moments don't happen or we don't lose our cool sometimes that we are regulated all the time. And I think that's something I had associated with mindfulness is like, as I'm doing this, then I'll be intentional all the time. I will always be able to like employ a certain strategy. And I was like, I don't connect with that. Like that's yeah, not that, how that, I live my life. <laughs> that always being the, the word, right? Like, it's like, yes, more of the time. Right. And that's what, and I think that I love this conversation with you that I'm having with you right now, Jessica, because it's like, that's what we have to be really intentional and transparent about, about as people who are, you know, people see you, people see me on like Instagram or whatever the podcast and different things. And you get the snippet of someone's life and you think, oh my God, I'm not that. So I suck. Right. And that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's, that's totally not my intention. I really don't want people to think that because it's really more about like shifting to like more of the time and even in like mindful parenting when when you talk about like or communication like we're talking about like if you can aim for like like let's aim for like 80 percent of the time we're going to be like as skillful as we can be and then we're going to give ourselves a lot of grace for like the 20 percent of the time that we're not and also like our kids would be miserable human beings if like everything went well for them all the time like they need to have moments when they're when they get the you know they have 
things are uncomfortable. They don't get their way. They have distress, all these different things. Like not that we need to go out of our way and make it for them, but like it's going to happen. And they need that to be able to realize that like the world is, is not about them and that they can get through things and that you're there. And like, you know, they need bumps in their road too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I am loving ready-to-eat meals in this season of life. Things are really busy over here with a toddler and a newborn, and I don't always want to be focusing on meal planning and ordering groceries. Factors, fresh, never-frozen meals are chef-crafted and dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's zero prep and zero mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup involved, and holy moly, do I need that right now. I also love that I can order as much or as little as I need by choosing my meals every week, and I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, restaurant-quality meals with no cooking required, and there are more than 60 add-ons, like pancakes and smoothies, to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Head to factormeals.com slash village50 and use code village50 to get 50% off. That's code village50 at factormeals.com slash village50 to get 50% off. With spring on the horizon, but not quite here yet in Vermont, I've been looking for simple ways to give my body the energy boost it needs and keep up with healthy habits, especially on those tired mornings when I'm just feeling drained. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel more energized and ready to take on the day. It's a morning ritual that gives me peace of mind and then I'm getting comprehensive nutrition that supports my immune system and keeps me going all day. As a parent of two amazing kids, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so that I can continue to show up for the moments that matter. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm jazzed to welcome them as a new sponsor. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com village. That's drinkag1.com village. Check it out. Thank you. Thanks for breaking down mindfulness with me because it was one of those <laughs> things that I'm just like, it's still like there's a part of me that'll be like, oh. I don't know. There's this association, I guess, with kind of perfection around it and that lives inside me. And um, it's like about that for me, the way I experience mindfulness is like it's like this thing that makes everything. It steadies me in a way that nothing else does. Like it's like it steadies me and it makes it so that it's like there are waves and most of the time I can ride those waves. The waves still happen. Mm-hmm. All the emotions still happen. Mm-hmm. They don't drown in them. I don't need to block them with 
copious amounts of chocolate necessarily anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm okay with them, right? It's like, I'm just like so much more even keeled. And as a highly sensitive person who has been through a lot of like roller coasterness in my life, is that Mm -hmm. a word? Um, We'll take it. We'll take it. (laughs) It's a, it's like a freedom to be able to just be myself and not be driven by the waves of my, my like emotional being. I love that so much because one of the things that you teach parents about being calm is that we can't fake it. Like you can't fake being calm. And so I want to dive into what that looks like when you are in these waves, right? When you're riding those waves, when your kids, I'll give you a scenario. Just how many real life scenarios would you like? Are they have, at have hand? Seven million. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> last night, I um, making dinner. Sage skipped a nap yesterday for his third time in his life with not a great track record for how that pans out. I'm solo parenting. And I'm 12 weeks pregnant. And so all of this is like coming together. And he's just, I knew when I picked him up from childcare and he'd skipped his nap, like, all right, this is going to be a night of some emotions and very random things that will set him off. And um, so last night he, I had dinner already. A friend actually dropped it off. Bless her. Thank you, Emily. Wow. And I know. Beautiful. Good job, powder. Vermont. That's way right. To, way that's to right. represent. <laughs> and Sage starts melting with he wants mac and cheese. We happen to have one box of mac and cheese in there. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to make the mac and cheese. And I pulled out and he's like, different mac and cheese. <laughs> like, I don't have a different mac and cheese. But I'm just going to proceed with making this one. He's sobbing in his learning tower saying, go away, mama. Walk away. Go in the other room, mama. Like, just you know losing it and I'm like okay cool we've been together for about 20 minutes at this point we've got hours to go (laughs) there's no one to tap out to I'm already tired uh and so I'm like in it right like in that wave and so can we walk through what does it look like in those moments in terms of uh, I guess protecting our kids from our irritation or our anger well Sometimes it looks like that we aren't, we don't protect our kids from our irritation and anger and we're irritated and angry at our kids. And then we come back and repair afterwards. Right. And everybody gets upset and we cry and then we sit on the floor and we have a hug later. Right. Like after everybody's like been like, well, that effing sucked, (laughs) you know, like, like that's okay. Like that's definitely going to happen for every one of us, you know, multiple times. Um, if we're, you know, sometimes it may look like you saying out loud, wow, this is a really hard moment. You're really grumpy. I'm really tired. Boy, I'm feeling totally overwhelmed and tired. I wonder what we can do in this moment, you know, and just like somehow some there's some crazy magic, biological magic, where saying all that stuff out loud just lessens it a little bit. And there's research behind that that shows that it does lessen that a little bit. So somehow we if we can say it all out loud, that really helps. And then if we're able to, then we, you know, we triage the moment as best we can. You know, maybe we say, you know, maybe we can just eat some apples and peanut butter and crackers tonight because I'm really tired or we're just going to have this mac and cheese or whatever it is. 
or we just need a break and I'm just going to chill, sit on the floor for a moment. I'm going to sit on the floor. I'm tired. I'm pregnant. You're tired. You're upset over there on that learning tower. I'm going to sit here against this cabinet on the floor that hasn't been swept today. And <laughs> or I'm just in gonna, days like, or weeks. <laughs> I'm going to put a hand on my heart. I'm going to put a hand on my belly. And I'm just going to sigh it out, right? Like, so if we have the, if we can, the beauty of it, like that, it's though all goes back to that fundamental awareness, right? Like if we can get to that moment of like, oh, this sucks right now. I'm tired. He's tired. And then if we can say that stuff out loud, then it's like, oh, it's like a ding, 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 like, you know, alarm bells. And then we can start to then make choices. Like we have a little then room in our brains to get off autopilot and then make a choice because just the, just the awareness interrupts the autopilot pattern. Right. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't go so well. And then you, but then you have a chance to repair your relationship. And then you say, okay, I'm going to think about like maybe planning ahead for some of those moments ahead or whatever it is. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes then you'll be able to acknowledge really it's about acknowledging what's happening for you, acknowledging what's happening for your child. And then, okay, like me just getting my full brain on board here, getting a little energy, getting a little sustenance is what's needed, what's needed now, right? And then you can ask what's needed, right? Do I need to just drink some juice from their little bottle that has a little cartoon head on it or whatever it is, right? Yes, I'm stealing your juice now, child. Thank you. Okay, and then we'll all be better. That's right, you'll love this. I, I love that because for me, learning to say it out loud is so helpful. It, it helps me find that pause sometimes. Like it buys me time to find that pause and not lose it or whatever in that moment, at least. One of the things I was starting to notice last night was a very quick spiral in my head to like, cool, we got hours of this to go. <laughs> like, am I going to have this stamina? Right. Mm. And I had to like, I'm mantras are really helpful for me. Like if I, mm-hmm. if I just take deep breaths or I it, I'm taking deep breaths while I'm having that spiral moment still. And so for me having like mantras or phrases, and I have different ones that I kind of call on in different times, some for Sage, some for Zach, some for my mom, for my mother-in-law, for people in my life, right? Like ones that help me just gain perspective. And one of the ones Mm -hmm. that I was like leaning into last night was what's the worst that happens if he cries on and off for the next couple hours? what's the worst mm, that happens? Mm. And it was just like, okay. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Like you realize, was, oh, I can survive it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where I was like, yeah, it would suck. It's not going to be my favorite hang we've ever had. And we can get through that, you know? And like when I faced that of like, what is the worst that happens there? It then made dealing with it all easier. So it's like, mm. oh, I don't have to make it stop in order for us to survive this. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Like, yeah, I love that. I mean, I would say like to myself, one I really like to share is like, this is not an emergency, you know, because like your nervous system is like, oh my God, it's an emergency. We have to make it stop right now. And it's not, it's not an emergency. We've got an upset, tired kid. I'm tired and upset, right? Like that's not an emergency. We're all safe. 
everybody's right. safe. It's safe for him to have these, safe for him to be upset and cranky about macaroni. And it's safe <laughs> for me to be upset and cranky too. Yeah. You know, I can, we'll survive this. I love that, that you, you know, looked at worst case scenario. That's always very helpful. Yeah. It helps me. It helps me be like, okay, I can survive worst case scenario. Like then working backwards is easier. I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram or I'm tuning into podcasts and diving into parenting resources, resources for myself as a teacher, I can feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? I need a guide for what this looks like in practice. And I don't want something that's one size fits all because every child is different, right? And like, if you have multiple children, if you're a teacher, you know that it's not one size fits all. Or if you have seen what works for your sister-in-law or your best friend or your neighbor, and you're like, oh my gosh, my child does not respond to that. That is how I felt. And then we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. It is a guide for building emotional intelligence. And y'all, there are five components of the SEP method. One is about how to respond to the kids and what it looks like to have adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. Because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up getting these tools. I did not grow up with them. I didn't grow up in this household where... I was taught tools for self-awareness and self-regulation and how to do emotion processing work. And now as a parent and as a teacher, I'm supposed to teach those skills to a tiny human, but we can't teach what we don't know. And so my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is here to support you. You can head to www.seedandso.org slash book and snag tiny humans big emotions today this is a game changer it's gonna build these skills with you for you so that you can do this work alongside building these skills for your tiny humans so that they can grow up with a skill set for self-awareness for regulation for empathy for social skills for intrinsic motivation a skill set of emotional intelligence so that they can navigate all the things that come their way in life. Snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions at seedandso.org slash book. You acknowledge in Raising Good Humans every day that many parents aren't enjoying parenting. And I think it's so real. I want to chat about it because, I mean, last night, again, not my favorite parenting evening I've ever had. And honestly, like once we got through dinner, there were moments that were really fun and connected and lovely. And there were moments that weren't. (laughs) And I, but I am, it's really easy for me at the end of the day to be like, what a brutal evening. (laughs) And it's harder for me to be like, oh, also there was some fun. Mm -hmm. And if given the choice, would I, if I had to give up the fun and connected in order to lose the hard, Mm -hmm. would I want that? Yeah. That for me is a question that comes up in parenting a lot. And I called it a lot, like the newborn days and whatever of like, this is hard. Sleep deprivation is hard. Having fluids come out of every hole of your body is hard. 
and splashed on your face in random moments. <laughs> like a kid, like poop in your hand in the middle of the night and diaper teeth <laughs> is hard. Uh, and if I, I, I don't, there is no world where it's all fun and connected and easy all the time with anyone in any space. And so if I wish the hard away, I lose those moments too. Yeah. That yeah, for me can- has been helpful. We can't, we can't selectively numb and we're yeah. sold this bill of this, this story from our culture that we should feel comfortable all the time, that we should be distracted, entertained all the time. We should never be bored and that things should like, we should have this, you know, I'm all for ease. I think that like ease sure. is great, but like the whole idea of like the comfortable and, and all the time, I think is really detrimental to our society right now. Like, because it's, it it leads us to numb out of situations that are challenging and therefore numb out of the real situations. Like, like, like teenagers are so, it's so much easier to be comfortable in your room with a phone. So now a whole generation of teenagers is not going out with friends and not connecting with those friends because it's uncomfortable and it's, you know, we have moments of awkward silences and weird conversations and things like that. So they're just not doing it. Right. And they're losing this essential part of what it is to be human and to, and, you know, and isolating and having, you know, the mental health ramifications of that. And so this idea, and that's like, to then bring it back to mindfulness, like that's one of the things that mindfulness is really, really good at is helping us to tolerate discomfort you know, cause you sit there, you're bored. You're like my, I'm looking at my brain. It might be ugly what you're seeing. You know, you might be seeing some ugly thoughts, you know, that are, that humans have and, or just boring and repetitive thoughts or whatever. And, and then you sit there and you learn to tolerate it. And you learn to direct your attention to, you had to learn to have some direction of your attention, not complete and total, (laughs) not perfect, but some direction of your attention to where you want to focus it. But you also learn like, okay, I'm going to sit here until that little timer goes off, even though it's, I'm feeling, maybe feeling uncomfortable right now. And that teaches you to be there in those moments and then, and then be able to tolerate those, those difficult moments. And, and that toleration of difficult moments is what gives us the ability to really be there for the real moments, right? Like there's, I've, I've probably shared this with you before, but I love this. There's a quote that really drives me in my work. And that is from the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. And he says, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? How can you love if you are not there? I mean, that's, if it's not about that, what is it about? Right? Like we're, we're going to get there when our kids are like, we're going to, okay, I'll love them when they're 30. Like, no, yeah. we got to love them when the spit, you know? <laughs> when, when you're getting sprayed with fluids, yeah. <laughs> when they're pooping in your hand. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and I'm not saying like love every minute. Cause I really totally. wanted to strangle those grandmas who said that to me <laughs> when my kids were babies because they didn't understand. You're yeah. not going to love every minute, but you, if you can be present for a more 
more of it. You know, you can be present for a lot of it. If you then that's a gift, right? That's the gift of being able to tolerate the difficult stuff and, and being more present with your feelings and, and taking the time maybe it takes to uh, just sit for a few minutes every day. And it's the gift of being able to, um, to really be, be present. Well, and I think to know that you aren't failing for feeling different things, right? And, and that your kids mm. aren't. Uh, I, we had posted a poll in our stories a little while ago. And I was just like, just out of curiosity, because I had shared like a mistake that I'd made and how I navigated it, whatever. And I got so many DMs from people that were like, oh, it's so nice to hear that like you make mistakes too. And I was like, oh yeah, in what world do you think? And so we asked, we pulled folks and we were like, what do you think that there are humans out there, parenting experts, et cetera, who are doing this perfectly all the time, who are intentional all the time, who are regulated all the time, who always have these quote, perfect responses all the time. And over 90% of people said yes. Yeah. And we were like, oh man, like if you think that there is someone who is doing that all the time, then you think that that's possible. And that if you just did X, Y, and Z, you could be there too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge part of folks not enjoying parenting is this idea that they're doing it wrong. Or Mm -hmm. like everybody else's kids are not having a meltdown over the wrong mac and cheese or whatever. And that everybody else is always kind to their tiny humans and the humans around them and all that. And I think when when that self-criticism is happening, it is really hard to enjoy parenting. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You're just in a pit in that yeah. case. And it's easy yeah. to blame the that, kids of like, the kids. they're bringing this out in me. They're making me be mm. this kind of parent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, no, everybody is doing that. <laughs> this isn't unique to your kids. Like kids are often inconvenient and they can be annoying. And they're not like, hey, you got to spare 20 minutes for me to have a hard feeling, right? Like <laughs> that, that doesn't, come up and so I think if we're comparing like our messy insides to curated outsides it is it is hard to enjoy it yeah yeah I think there's really a like a need for us to say like okay what to like you know social media is part of our world's it's part of our lives, you know, that's fine. If you can get yourself completely away from it, like more power to you, like I'm amazed, like that's great. But if if you're like a normal human being and you've got it in your life, um, then, you, you know, we want to then, it goes back to that awareness, like how is this making me feel? And yeah, like, I mean, there's something to be said to being aware of all kinds of different things, you know, but you know, if this thing is, you know, how is this making you feel? Then if someone is making you feel like I'm inadequate or whatever, like just block, unfollow, 
you don't need to do, like go like uh, make sure it's all fluffy kitten videos like that's totally <laughs> legit way to use that platform <laughs> to yeah. make sure all you're seeing it's like is my husband's instagram hacky <laughs> bearers in totally. a tub with oranges like that's all that's like watching does. drumming videos and our feeds are so vastly different <laughs> he's like look at this hilarious meme and i'm like okay but have you noticed like we need to be doing x y and z at mealtime with sage <laughs> he's like <laughs> How do you do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like there's wonderful things to learn, but also like people are overwhelmed. There's too yeah. much information. Like when you get all this like free information, like every, it's like too much information. Like I know people like they, that I've worked with, they have like stacks of books Yeah, and that's, it's like wonderful to like, it's, but it's not really about learning more. You know, like it's it's like put, you know, I wrote a book. I'm like, you know, I like sure. books, but I'm like, put away the book, you know, just, you know, it's sometimes it's about like doing less, but doing like focusing. I mean, that's the idea, like with raising good humans every day is like, take one idea. Like, well, this is the way I'd yeah. love some people to use it. So take one idea and just think about this one idea for a week or two and like play with that one idea don't feel like you have to read the whole book five times like but just put, take one idea and like then bring it into your life and don't give yourself a lot of pressure but then you know use it you know ponder it chew on it but but yeah you know it, too much information is a real detriment to actually moving forward with any information i yeah i agree and i love that structure of your book and that Love that encouragement to like, take it, sit with it. You don't have to binge consume it <laughs> and then do it over and over. Yeah. I love that. That's rad. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. 
let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Uh, and I, I loved your note too of like, we don't have to enjoy every minute to enjoy parenting as a whole. Um, yeah. Nobody enjoys oh. every minute of life. No, no. And like, especially for moms, like, you know, it's okay. If you're not enjoying every minute, like it, then don't be like, don't put pressure on yourself to be with your kid every minute of the day. A hundred percent. You know, like there, your child is going to be so much better off. Like if you take your child to the YMCA childcare that they don't like that much, <laughs> that they're not that super happy with, but you get to go have time, like an hour to yourself, sure. then, then if you're like, oh, my child is a little uncomfortable with YMCA childcare and I would love to work out, but they're slightly uncomfortable. So I'm going to like, I'm going to be, I'm going to skip that because, you yeah. know, no, like your needs are just as important as your kids needs. And, and ultimately what your kids need is you to like, if you are a grounded person, like, and not, 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 you know, I don't want you to be me and I don't want you to be Alyssa. You should be you. you, you, you yeah. I don't want you to be necessarily like mommy does this. Like you don't even have to be like the role of mommy. Like you're allowed to be yourself, your authentic self, make your own mistakes, but give yourself some space to be yourself beyond mom. Like if you, at all possible, like be yourself, you know, give yourself some, some time away from your child. So you're like, oh, I can miss my child and see how wonderful they are. Give your chance, sure. your child a chance to like make secure attachments with other people in the community. You yeah. know, that's all good for your child. Sometimes like we're driven, it's like an ego thing, right? Where it's like fear and ego that we're like, it has to be me all the time. And that, and that gives us a sense of purpose and whatever. And that's a little bit like too much pressure to put on your child to be your everything. Like you be you. And that's going to be what your child needs is you being you in as, you know, as steady and grounded and wonderful way as you can. And if that requires like, Hey babe, see you later. I know childcare is not your favorite thing, but I'll be back in an hour. That's fine. Like yeah. you should, that's what you should do. Like your child doesn't need you 24 hours a day. I, I think there is a lot of fear. I think there's fear that these other humans aren't going to do this with intention. And then this kid isn't always going to get this intentional engagement interaction and I think that's a focus for, uh, there's been a pendulum swing, I think, from like how a lot of us were raised to like, okay, now we're always going to be on. We're always going to be intentional. Everyone that engages with them, grandparents, childcare providers, any parent that's in the household, et cetera, like needs to respond in these certain ways. And if not, like, I won't leave my kid with them. And I think like there are some, there are definitely some things that I'm like, you have hard no on like spanking. If someone's going to spank Sage, like I'm not going to leave him with them. Right. Like yeah. that for me yeah, is like yeah. a hard. Um, and there are so many things that my mother-in-law does Friday childcare for him or for us with him. And she's incredible. And there are so many things that we do differently mm. and there are different responses he's going to get. And 
<laughs> it's not going to be the exact way I do it and all that. And I'm a better parent because she does Friday childcare. Yes. Right. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> and so it's like a give and take, I think of like, yeah, it's not always going to be the exact way you do it. And does it allow you to show up in a more regulated way? And what would it mean if kids aren't always responded to the way you do it? Yeah. It's going to be yeah, life. That, yeah, that's going to be life. And that's, they're going to learn resilience. It's okay for, you know, it's okay for yeah. them to have different experiences. It's okay for them to have a different experience with their, your co-parent, right? Totally. Like that's okay. They're going to figure that out. It's, it's, it's okay for that to happen. Like, it, you know, it's not, it's not a reason to like not learn or whatever. Right. Like, but yeah, it, it, you know, we need to, it's like this idea, like our control, you know, it's an invitation to examine this idea of like, is your control over your child, is that fear? And is that something that you are really should put on your child? Or is that something you should really work out for yourself and with your therapist and with your friends or with your journaling or whatever, right? Like, as I think about like this, safetyism of that kids have these days on how how constrained they are how they don't aren't allowed to go outside and play like they're always in adult directed activities this is another thing we you know I talk about I have the freedom to talk about in this new book right like and it's like this is our fear constraining our kids in a way that's unhealthy for them because if you've ever like heard Lenore Skenazy talk about this it's amazing like it would take literally like if if this, you know, you go by the statistics, like something like 40,000 years of standing on a New York street before your child was abducted, you know, I mean, so totally, but yeah, these, but it's, there's so much fear around it. Yes. So much fear. Yes, the worst yes. is going to happen, right. Is like always, I think coming up and now I was thinking about this. We were just talking about um, Jessica Leahy's addiction inoculation in our team meeting yesterday and how one of the things I love about her book and in, in discussing with her, like how do we lay a foundation for that was really in like, how do we lay a foundation for a trusting relationship with our kids? And mm-hmm. it requires us not always holding the reins and saying like, yeah, you're going to go outside and play, or you're going to go into this space. That's not, there isn't an adult hovering over you to see how things go the whole time or whatever. And it's, it's give it, it's stretching that rubber band. Right. And like, mm-hmm. without breaking it, just allowing them to stretch and, and we build trust that way. Like, I trust you to make certain decisions, yeah. to do certain things, to take certain risks. And that then one of the things she said when I was chatting with her was she was like yeah you don't start building that when your kid's like hey can I go to this party tonight and they're like 16 we start building that relationship so much earlier and it is in all these other ways I think you're absolutely right that like fear our fear of something happening to them is constraining them in a way that's just not healthy yeah yeah they've got to they've got to explore their world I remember like hovering under these like pine trees with with Sora and being like so so how do you feel up there (laughs) yeah does that feel safe to you 
And then occasionally being like, listen, I'm feeling like really nervous. Could you just not go any further than that? Like that makes me feel really nervous. Right. And like this level of like teaching and trust and learning and things like that. And now like my daughters are 16 and 13 and I went to a dance class one night and my husband went out with to uh, across the neighborhood to a friend's and they wanted to have a campfire with their other scout friend. They're in Boy Scouts of America. They're in a girls Boy Scout troop. And I was like, hmm, like, but we have this relationship where I understand them. I know they're smart. They know yeah. they're like better with fire than most adults. Sure. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, fine. Go for it. Like, you know, and it's, and that's good. You know, they yeah. had a really good time. Apparently that's rad. <laughs> Seiji's favorite drawer. He's two in our household is what we call the sharps drawer. It's where all the sharp things are. Oh, it's the sharp the, things. The peelers, the sharp knives, whatever. And he'll ask to play in the sharps drawer. And it's become so commonplace for us. Like he'll push his learning tower over. He knows how to navigate everything that's in the sharps drawer. He knows how to use them in a way that, um, you know, won't lose a finger. And it's so interesting to watch other adults that are like around when he's like playing in the sharp store. He's like, I'm going to go play in the sharp store. And they're like hovering or they're like, he's going to what? You're just going to let him what? <laughs> like he knows what he's doing. Like we stood next to him for a while as he was 18 months and asking questions about things and curious about them. And we showed him how to use them and what they're for and what they're not for and all that. And yeah, now he can confidently navigate the sharps drawer and rock on Sagey. Yeah, go Sage. But it's also like we take that risk, you know, and like, yeah, now just the other day he was at the sharps drawer and I had to go to the bathroom and I went in, went to the bathroom and came back and I was like, oh my gosh, hilarious. What like a fly on the wall. Somebody like peeking in would have been like, I'm sorry, just walk away from your two-year-old in the sharps drawer to go to the bathroom. You can't see him. And yeah, that's our that yes yes I did and he has that skill set now and I think that those are important things to not avoid I dig that yeah I dig that um okay there's one thing that I last thing I want to hear from you before we wrap up in raising good, good humans every day you share a mistake that you made and that most parents make that leads to less helpful kids What's that mistake that you'd go back and change? Oh, oh yeah, I would totally change this. <laughs> um, so one of the things, back to the sharp store, when we, <laughs> you know, I would want, I would kind of like, sh sort of like, not all the time, but like a lot of the time I would say, like, please go play, go somewhere else while I can make some dinner. And I wish I hadn't done that because they, it's like now I'm trying, trying to like get them into making dinner, you know, and, and one is really into it, but the oldest one, of course, who I was more like, go, go, <laughs> I make dinner. She is less likely to do it. And, and we teach them this lesson when we say, you, you know, don't be involved in the space of where I'm working is that you are 
exempt from work. You have VIP status and your job is to be entertained by, at that point, it was like the bookshelf, but like, whatever, you know, be entertained. and, And my job is to do the work. And that is not a lesson we want our kids to learn, right? We want, when they're in that phase of me, do it, me, do it, me, do it, which is, I I love your story about the sharp story. (laughs) We want to bring them into it. And we did some of the time, but I, I, I would have done it. I would have done it a little more if I had thought it all through. So so take my, take my mistake. Please, please send any other words of wisdom over that you're like, (laughs) now that I'm at 13 and 16, (laughs) I dig it. We just started doing this with the dishwasher. We used to like, just, it was easier to not have sage climbing in it and whatever, when we were trying to un like empty it, unload it. And we just, I was like, I feel like he can handle some of this. Like it would actually like, he can put away the cutting boards. He can be a part of this in a way that also is just less annoying than him climbing all over it and us trying to like very rapidly do it while he's playing in the other room. And now like he knows his jobs when we open up the the dishwasher, he will say cutting board or um, bowls, which are like the Tupperware or whatever. And he will ask for them. He puts them away and then he'll go play. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Check one. There's way more things I could involve him in, but I'm like, oh, we just started doing that one and we are already seeing it pay off and it's already kind of nice. <laughs> um, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Kudos. Yes, yeah. It, well, I think that. it's it's hard <laughs> to think about like down the road, what do we want them doing and how do we lay those foundations now when you're in yeah. it and you're just like, no, it's easier for me right now if you're not climbing in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. All the intensive stuff you do when they're little, it's like this time of intensive learning about what we do. So yeah, it all kind of plays out down the road. It's true. And that's like why we want to change our communication and things like that, like which you and I teach, right? Like, and it really, it ultimately makes things so much easier down the road. All the work that you do in the front end makes it so much easier down the road. And that's something I can tell you from the other end now. Sick. Cheers. Thank you. Um, awesome. Hunter, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thanks for writing this book. Folks, go grab Raising Good Humans every day. Hunter, where can folks find you, follow you, learn more about you? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me at mindfulmamamentor.com. You can listen to the Mindful Mama podcast and you can find Raising Good Humans every day, everywhere books are sold. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome.
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.